Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I know you are here wanting to change and rewrite your story. You are desiring to step into the impact that you know you were here to create. I am here to guide you with the proven tools and strategies used by myself and our speakers to support you in taking radical responsibility in your life and learning how to own your choices to change your story. My name is Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am a storytelling business coach, master NLP trainer, speaker, podcaster, and seven times published author. My clients have found freedom and purpose from overcoming their shame stories and learning how to share them with the world. I am so grateful you are here. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show. Today we are speaking with Stefan Neff, and we are talking all about how the past does not equal the future. Stefan is an anesthetist who has had more than his fair share of trauma in his life, and he opens up and shares so beautifully, vulnerably, and powerfully in this episode. He has tried to drown PTSD, depression, and anxiety in industrial doses of alcohol without success. Nowadays, he lives a very, very different life where self-love, humility, integrity, and transparency means something. His aim is to demystify addiction and mental health problems. He hosts the show Neff Inspiration and has just released the third edition of his book called My Steps to Sobriety. He constantly seeks to become a better human and in turn has become a breath and flexibility coach and expands his training into functional medicine. This is such a beautiful episode. We are talking all about the power of our stories, how we can change, how our past does not equal our future. And we get an in-depth inside look as to what it's like to go through this kind of transformation. I was on Stefan's podcast a few months ago and absolutely loved the conversation. A lot of rapport, a lot of connection, and I know you're going to love it. Welcome to the show today, Stefan. I'm beyond thrilled to have this conversation with you. Oh, well, that was the quickest entry I've ever had. <laughs> right, Marsha. It is an absolute honor and privilege uh, to be on your show. <laughs> Just being thrown in the deep end. I love it. <laughs> oh, this is the deep end. I can throw you in the deep end, though. Don't you worry. Oh. <laughs> you and I have crossed paths with the beautiful thing of podcasting. Tell everyone, in where in the world are you right now? <laughs> I'm in beautiful New Zealand. So really, whilst we are recording that, I'm actually beaming into Marsha's Marsha's office here uh, in in her future. Um, so we are the first one who sees the light. And I can tell you, there is hope out there. The The sun is shining in the future. Um, there is hope. There is, uh, the, the world is still turning. So however dark your hour at the moment is, um, even the darkest hour only lasts 60 minutes. Hey, guys. So oh. therefore, hey, here we are. Um, life is beautiful. I'm in New Zealand, far away from any kind of idiots who are raining bombs or down and luckily we are not uh in in the worst depression ever um it is it is still actually a good world and i strongly strongly believe that if we all work together and if we all work on on ourselves to start off with 
and create better humans with that become we become the the lights that the little candles or sometimes the torches or the, the the big flames in the darkness of others so that we can actually make this world a better place so yes i'm excited to be here marsha because um you are you're providing a platform of hope you're a merchant of hope, so to speak. And I love that. And that's where we, we, we too had a fantastic interview. Now I'm in New Zealand. I'm Stefan Neff. I'm an anesthetist. I'm also a podcaster. I'm, uh, I've got a, a YouTube show, uh, in the past called My Steps to Sobriety, now Neff Inspiration. And Marsha has been a fantastic guest, um, on my show. So if you want to check her out and her, her being on the receiving end of the, the grilling, uh, she is super. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's me. Turn. Oh my God. You're <laughs> that and I love it. And I knew, like, I knew that there was more to your story that I wanted to be able to share on this show. And we did have a great conversation. We dove into so many things on mindset. What can we control and how do we create change? And it was really, really powerful. And I want to say from the start, we can't, you said such a, such a beautiful thing there to start and kick it off, which I love. We have to know darkness in order to know the light. Like we have to have those dark moments to be able to see the light and see if we choose to see it. I believe it's always there. And I know we have to look harder sometimes to see it. I know that. I know. And sometimes we have to like literally go out looking for it intentionally to find it because it feels like it's dark everywhere. Hmm. Where you're an, you're an anesthetist, hmm. you have a very diverse background here. I want to know to start off with what are some dark moments in your life that led, and we're going to talk about turning points, but some dark moments in your life that led to intentionally finding the light? It's a long meandering journey, but I think we can go back to when I was 13. Um, I had my first romantic girlfriend and I'd visited her in a day and it was time in the evening now to go to drive home, um, drive as in take the tram in, in Mannheim in Germany. And I was sitting in a, in a tram stop and waiting and uh, behind us was a was a bar of sorts and a bunch of young guys came out and it was a gang basically um and they were bored and so one of them the leader came across put a beer over my head and wanted to have some fun basically wanted to beat me up and needed an excuse and i got up and said why did you do that the next thing i knew i was pummeled and was lying on the ground and looked down and i remember blood and my front teeth lying in front of me and uh i thought oh um and it got worse and it it, it was a it was uh, the guy threw a knife and i don't still don't know nowadays how i turned just in in time for it to pass me but it was certainly there was a, quite a fear to my life uh there um they got bored picked up the knife and walked away um and left me there and it was weird. Um, it was it was very strange. I was not seriously hurt, um, but blood was, was streaming on my face. And the tram came, so I got into the tram, um, and the driver didn't give a damn. No one else around me. They were sitting in there, or everyone looked away. Um, no one helped me. And I think that was the very first moment that I realized no one will ever help me. 
uh, core belief was laid down then. So I went that night to the emergency department. Um, and then very quickly thereafter, my bruises had not healed yet when I started training martial arts. In Germany, you could train with the police and law enforcement agencies in their sports clubs. Um, so I learned the Germans' uh, no-nonsense self-defense um, uh, system. And this was when really the darkness started. I became literally Rambo. And that was at the age of 13. Um, and no front teeth, and they don't fix your front teeth permanently until you're 18, until your jaw is set. So basically for five years I had, there was not much laughing there because these bloody things there, um, they from now and then fell out and you looked like a pirate. You can imagine what that does to a, to a teenager. So a lot of darkness started there. Um, it was five years of darkness. I mean, my body grew into quite a specimen. Um, I became very good in, in the martial arts and because I, I brought a gang leader behind bars. Um, he ended up having three years and he, um, when we left the court, he threatened me as soon as he's out, he will kill me. So it was quite clear in my mind. Uh, okay. There will be this kind of. 80s perception, uh, death, uh, fight to the death, uh, kind of thing happening. And that was all quite clear in my head. It was reality for me then. And that was, that was a long period of darkness there. And that lasted until I was in university, first year in university. And then suddenly three things happened. One was that, that I realized I was far away. I was literally only 20 kilometers, but the guy that was before internet, etc. the guy would never find me. Um, secondly, I discovered girls, um, but now my teeth had been fixed and I actually discovered girls. And thirdly, I discovered alcohol. And that was the most, the most tremendous breakthrough. And I will never, you will never forget your first fix, your first, and fix is a negative word. I, this was a, like a breakthrough, like a eureka moment for me, because I had lived in this pressure cooker of darkness, of constant, with hindsight, PTSD. Um, and here I was sitting at lunchtime uh, in the summer in a beautiful German beer garden, huge oak above me, the sun was shining with two friends. We all had a big stein of beer, which is a liter of beer. And beer in Germany is a, a bit more serious, uh, not the watered down kind of stuff you get in the United States. Um, so we had some, some, just some beautiful beer. And suddenly I felt this wave of warmth and release washing over me and laughter erupted out of my heart, out of my soul, out of deep inner places that I had forgotten that there are. And it was the most beautiful feeling, something that is probably akin to taking MDMA, this kind of, I love the world kind of stuff. Um, I love everyone and the world loves me. And that was beautiful. That was a release. That was a lovely feeling. And prior to that, alcohol had not really had played any major role. Um, but from then on, alcohol became a very steady friend, uh, a very steady relationship. And because it, it allowed me to come out of my shell, it allowed me to break through the PTSD symptoms and forget the tension, forget the darkness. And that was beautiful. 
But as with every every relationship, um, alcohol is a tiny molecule. Um, C2H5OH, you know, it's teensy weensy. It goes into every crook and, and place in your body. And it, but it's it's a huge wrecking ball. But it takes time to do so. So um I never got into trouble due to alcohol. Um in the sense of law enforcement, driving under influence, anything like that. No. I had what you would call a very active social life. And because um, by that time, I was yeah, physically quite impressive, and the alcohol made me disinhibited. I was the social butterfly, and um, I had some some good-looking blokes as friends. So the three of us, we had an amazing time uh, at university. Um, so therefore, alcohol actually helped us to to have this time. So it was actually a positive thing. So alcohol gave me for many years gave me actually some very positive uh help positive influences it already uh, overshadowed some things because i made some decisions that were probably not so nice um but they were still the minority etc so it was actually initially a big helping a big help and i think you guys out there need to understand it that whatever someone you love or you yourself are using to stop the tension to stop the pain to to escape reality at that moment it's worth it because the alternative to pain is so much worse in your own in your own mind at that moment in time that actually whatever it is the alcohol the gambling the pornography the cutting yourself the whatever it is it it gives you a release. It, it gives you ah, uh, the tension disappears for a moment, and that is actually a really beautiful thing. So, I have to say, unfortunately, at that time, I had never learned any other techniques to 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 deal with the tension. I had never learned anything. And whilst there was a strong mindfulness uh, part of my martial arts. Um, some meditation, breath work, etc. That was all as a warrior. That was all to sharpen my senses towards a threat. So instead of mitigating and calming down my nervous system, I was calming it down in order to be a better warrior. So very different attitude than uh, than I would nowadays have. So yeah. That was the start. That was definitely the darkness that started it all. I'm sure there was uh, abandonment issues. I'm sure there was generational trauma. I come from Germany. My uh, mother was born basically in, in, in the eve of, of the, the end of the Second World War uh, with hunger, with with all that. My grandma lived, uh, great-grandma, they lived through very brutal wars. Um, so all that is laid down uh, in our genes. So I'm sure there is there's a lot of trauma uh, just sitting in the background there uh, being handed down. So I probably, like so many people in this world, have not had the best setup for it. Um, whilst there was never physical uh, trauma as a child, um, it was certainly 
it was life as it was. My mom was a single mom, so I was brought up by my grand great grandma. Um, there was some, you know, I was a latchkey child, we call it. Basically, I had a key around my neck and came home and, you know, sorted myself out. So I didn't have great role models. <laughs> my 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 biological father was a gambler, was a hollow tree. He was a he was a man who uh, lived life to the fullest as far as he could. And uh, the same with my stepfather. Um, I was told I was brought up with the belief that uh, a man defines himself by the amount of women that he can lay. Um, you know, belief systems like that uh, is just yeah, sixties, seventies, eighties. I know crap. it is crap. <laughs> like that was definitely part of my era, and like some of the belief systems there from my mom and my dad, not mm. just from one from both was like, oh, I just can't buy into this. This is just doesn't feel right to me, but it's what what I saw and what was normal, what was normalized. But I love everything that you shared there. And I think there's 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 so much buzz around. I just want to pause on this for a second. There's so much hype around generational trauma that I don't think people actually understand it's real. Like it mm -hmm. is real. It is something that in diving through all of my NLP training in the last couple of years, understanding how our genes are literally holding on to this trauma. And so you're coming in predisposed that mm -hmm. it's almost like it's all subconscious. You don't even realize it. Like this is how you respond when this happens. This is what you do. And before you even know it, it's like, why am I acting this way? Like, why am I behaving this way? I'm not blaming others, but it's just what you see as normal. And so I think it's really interesting, something that you said there, and I not paraphrasing, I want to just um, I was reading a um, documentary just recently, and they were talking as the point of dealing with alcoholism. And the first time they had alcohol, they almost described it exactly as you just did. And they said it wasn't, it, it was actually a solution. It was a solution to help me to show up. I felt like I could, it was safe to be seen. And Absolutely. Ironically, they said that, you know, as I looked at all of my friends, I was like, oh, this must be what you feel like all the time anyways, even without alcohol. <laughs> alcohol helps me feel how I think you're feeling and how you're showing up. So it yep. gives you this false sense of, I don't know, it's not protection, it's not the word. But the way you describe that, it really hit the same way is that it like it really did serve a purpose. And it was almost the perfect storm that came mm -hmm. in. And I love how you said that it's the tiniest of mo molecules, but it's a wrecking ball. Mm -hmm. And it the wrecking ball might take a while to build it as a wrecking ball. I mean, I've interviewed lots of people on this show who have dealt with addiction. And it's always interesting to me when they're talking about how, you know, my friends could drink. Yeah. It was not a big deal, but yeah. I would drink and I would black out and wake up the next day. Like that was mm -hmm. normal for me. That was normal. So it's, it's like, I do think this perfect storm happens where for some people addiction is a, it's a very easy, um, slippery slope. It can happen quite easily. Something that has become far more clear to me recently. I mean, down the line, I had exactly that life. 
I was drinking really, and I drank, drank more and more because the shitstorm never stopped really in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, it was constantly, there was other things happening. My parents had both, uh, all three died of, uh, all four, I had three stepdads. Ultimately, all of them died of cancers and rotted away. Um, he, there was a lot of stuff happening, constant challenges to my life and constant negative things so that I continued to uh, to try to escape into reality, into my reality. I tried to escape my reality into this reality where uh, there was peace, where there was laughter, where there was fun, where in my dreams I was, or in my, where I was drunk and I was watching uh, typically dance uh, scenes on, on YouTube because I was a dancer when I was younger and I thought, yeah, da, da. and in my mind I was dancing. In my mind I was joking, I was laughing, I was having fun whilst the world around me burned. Um, so therefore, with hindsight, when I actually say, wow, I'm an alcoholic, I always drank far too much. Nowadays, I question how much this was really this compulsion of the alcohol. And that was certainly there. Alcohol has a, or any, any addiction has an incredibly powerful hold. It's an, it's a habit that you have perfected. So therefore, <laughs> just a simple habit will keep going. You want to fall back into that habit. No two ways around that. Right. So let's not be silly here. But at the same token, nowadays that I'm, looking at at the challenges in life and looking at the trauma as it occurs now i have got far less of a need to drink far mm -hmm. less of a compulsion towards it because nowadays i am able to work on the root cause of the trauma to actually work on the my perception of what is occurring I can look at things in a different way and I can deal with the flow and effects of trauma or of negative things, i.e. the thoughts of or the anxiety, uh, waves of anxiety, the anxiety attacks um, that hit me or the waves of darkness, the depression that wants to knock on my door. Those kind of things I recognize nowadays as old acquaintances um, and I recognize them the moment they appear. Mm -hmm. And I don't let them wreak havoc. I just accept them as waves of neurochemicals that are just coming here. Um, and I know that, okay, right. Hello, anxiety. What are you trying to tell me? Um, okay, you're catastrophizing everything. That email that just came in. Oh, no, that's not the end of the world. That's probably just some whatever it is. Um and I, I see it happen and I've learned to step out of my, my body and to actually observe me and say, okay, come on, Stefan, that ventilation, that breathing, do you really think that helps? <laughs> no. How about, how about let's do some deep diaphragmatic breathing. Um, so nowadays I've become a breath coach. So I'm, I'm using techniques that were completely foreign to me yet. I've done, I've learned that type of breathing when I was 13, when I was 14, when I was in my martial arts, yet with a def, def, very different uh, background and very different focus. Mm. So here I am nowadays having a different perception that I manage, not 
external factors manage. And I use different techniques to deal with what is happening inside my body. And suddenly, there is not a compulsion to drink myself stupid. It is an option. Yes, I could choose the alcohol. Or I could say, well, yes, that helps me. That would be one way of dealing with it. But then tomorrow you're hungover and yeah. you're, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it gives me the band aid um, for the time being. Yeah, and that's okay. So it be, it has become one more option in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. And there, there were recent times when I actually went back to that option where I actually got drunk. And, um, and was it nice? No. Was it, was it, was it taking the pain away? Yes. To a degree. Have I had then the consequences of a hangover? Shit. Yeah. Um, and nowadays I have to say, well, actually, sorry, my life is so much more worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And whilst I'm going through hard times right now, um, these hard times are allowing me to grow something that I've never understood in the past. It allows me to redefine myself. It allows me to bring on new tools, to learn new techniques, to explore more trauma or explore more what has either happened in the past or give me a challenge to learn something about what is happening now. So it is it is an opportunity for post-traumatic growth or even peri-traumatic growth as it happens. And as such, I embrace that far more then I would use the alcohol as a band-aid or maybe switch over to another addiction just as a band-aid. So it's a very different story. So we we all change. We all have got a privilege, the choice of change. And that's something that we need to be encouraged. We all have got the same amount of seconds in the day. And if you look at people who are extremely successful, they still have the same amount of seconds in a day. So what do they do different? What do they do better? Why are Marsha and me having a show about some dark times whilst you as a listener are maybe at the moment suffering from them? What has changed with Marsha that she started to turn and move from victim to survivor to thriver? And that is our, our opportunity. This is where we go. And and if you're drinking, if you're using, if you're uh, doing behavior, having beha- showing behaviors that are not so nice, that's okay. That's okay. Right now, that's okay. At the moment, it helps you um, because the alternative is more pain. Um, but, you know, w- what could you do um, to actually move on and actually come to a point where suddenly your current situation is like a bad dream from the past? Wow. That was just, I'm just going to say, wow, that was just the way you, you shared that was incredibly powerful. And I, I, I love this um, lens that you're sharing it from because I never want it to be a case of sharing a story that it's like, I decided on this day, this is when things change. It went rosy. It was perfect. Everything lined up because I can't stand that. Like I can't, can't stand it. And I don't think it's helpful because immediately once we have bars set up there like that, somebody listening who's in a dark spot is like, well, I guess it's not going to work for me. And that's not the message we ever want to send. So I appreciate your realness with it and sharing how like you've built your toolbox, you've built your resources and you've changed your perception of those moments, right? Like we all have these moments 
we're walking through one right now personally where I had a moment the other day where I was like, how is this like a repeat from 10 years ago? How are we doing this again? Like what in the world is happening? And I immediately <laughs> let myself go down into a spiral of, I cannot believe that we are still here. And I then immediately went, no, we're not still here. You're a very different person than you were 10 years ago. You are handling this differently. The universe is showing you this to show how much you have changed. You don't have to go backwards. You don't have to go. And so I just want to share that because it sounds very similar to what you're saying. These are the conversations that we're all having, mm-hmm. um, especially the people we get to have conversations with on the show. But it's really, it's not about ever being perfect. It's that we are facing challenges, sometimes even more than we faced before. But our toolboxes and how we handle and navigate it they have grown with us. So we now have an abundance of things to choose from. And we decide how we want to feel, what that identity is, and who we're going to show up as. And then we line our choices up with the direction that we want to go in. I love that. Absolutely love that. And the, I often think about the, the times when I really wanted to make a change, uh, typically around the 1st of January, for example, or, yeah. or something like that. Oh, I will I will change completely. From now on, I run every day eight hours, and and, and I will eat only uh, broccoli. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> There's a thing about real uh, life, and real life, in my case, is busy as hell. But uh, that does not mean to say that I cannot make consistent changes every day a little bit more towards a new version of myself towards a new reality that i create Mm -hmm. you have typically three meals and maybe two two snacks in between that's five times that you can have the choice of healthy nutrition Mm -hmm. versus eating shit Mm -hmm. um so I made it uh, for certainly the last year. I've made it religious choice to have a huge salad and a chicken breast um, as lunchtime. Uh, spicy as hell, a chicken breast. So there's lots of taste, lots of fiber for my gut microbiome. And it's cool. So I've taken one guess out, one choice. I made it automatic that I get that meal uh, every lunchtime Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. So I made one choice, one little change, but that change, every time I sit in front of this, this plate, there's a smile on my face because I know I'm doing something right for my body. Mm-hmm. I've decided I want to drink more water. So I made sure that I always have a water bottle with me at work. And whilst I love my coffee, ah, oh, coffee, coffee, <laughs> um, I still drink a lot of water. So my hydration status has mm-hmm. improved. So I'm working on my nutrition. Uh, I'm working every day, every meal on that uh, because I, 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 get a, I get a kick out of it now that I know what I'm doing um, to actually eat healthy and throw out the rubbish that is that was previous part of my life. Um, I hydrate. I watch my sleep far more so. Um, I went... Uh, when finally things in my life really sort of when the alcohol really did no longer serve any purpose and my darkness was so complete i ended up in rehab and uh, i had previously worked 16 18 hour days and uh in rehab um suddenly they helped me initially with with some sleeping tablets and from that time on i went to bed at eight 
and actually ended up waking up refreshed. I recently looked at the journal that I kept in rehab, and it is uh, the first time I've woken up since I can remember refreshed. Wow. There it was written down. And since then, I've become fiercely, fiercely protective of my sleep. Having said that, um, I have still, I'm still burning the candle on both ends. What I didn't realize until this year, for example, when I did some further work on myself is that I'm not a morning person. I am clearly not a morning person, yet I was forcing myself to get up at six, uh, recording stories and recording stuff for my show. Eight o'clock, I was at work, and then in the evening, I worked. <laughs> Guess where I was again? Back in the in the on the treadmill, um, on not treadmill on the on the hamster wheel, so to yeah. speak. And uh, only this year did I did I do some further testing on myself, and I realized, oh, hang on. Um, so I stopped all the recording in the morning and I get up now at 7.30, 7.45. I'm a different man. Mm. So to actually find out more about yourself, to learn your circadian rhythms, your biorhythms that that um, are dictating um, how and when you show up at your best. Once you understand that, you're no longer fighting yourself and working towards something that you read in a book Oh, but that and that Navy SEAL gets up at 4.30 and he is so successful and I need to do that. And then you end up, uh, I've tried that. I've tried to do the five o'clock in the morning exercise. I am a, I'm a vegetable for the rest of the day. It does not work for me. For me, get up in the morning um, and uh, slowly get to work. And then I build up steam. I'm in a good mood. I'm I'm actually moving well. By the end of the workday, that is the time when I when my body actually says, "Yes, I would like to do some exercise." That's the perfect time for me, and so on. So I've realized this year alone, I've realized so much that helped me grow. Mm-hmm. And it does there again. This is this ongoing journey. It is trauma comes in layers, healing comes in layers and growth comes in layers. So therefore you need to pull, peel these layers off. And there is a time in your life when you deal with the PTSD. And that's what I've done. Done, dusted. And I thought, yay, I've done it. See, now I gonna live this Coca-Cola sweet kind of life. Everything's gonna be fine. As you as you said, it's, it's you know, I've been once to the gym and now I'm gonna be looking that Schwarzenegger. <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So I, I dealt with more and more trauma, and that's cool. But also, more importantly, I I learned more about my body, about my mind, about my soul, about my spirit. Um, and I'm working, I'm expanding on that. I'm actively searching out discussions, communications, like with Marsha. Every single time I've got someone on my show, I learn something. My mind expands. My my there's a smile coming onto my face because I had a breakthrough. Um, and that's really, really beautiful. So that is the the kind of, of work I'm doing nowadays. There's a nice saying that if you surround yourself with six millionaires, you will become a millionaire. If you surround yourself with six idiots, you will stay an idiot. Okay. So, and stay and not become, yes. <laughs> no, we all are idiots. We all, we all, come on, we all can do some work here. No, but my point is it is if you start every day, if you start the habit of trying to improve yourself, one tiny decision 
15 minutes a day. That's all I want you to do from now on. I actually call it a five-minute gardener. Um, I want you to become the five-minute gardener. I want you to go into your garden, if you have one, and every day spend five minutes there. One day you you pull some grass. The, the other day you, you, you prune something. Next day you do that. After two, three weeks, you will see a difference. Uh, after a month, um, you will think, oh, after two months, three months, buses will come by with visitors looking at your garden. Okay. Yeah. So if you are consistent with it, uh, not huge changes, but consistent, small changes, but every day, every day working on that one thing that is important to you, let it be your career, your money, your relationship, your body, your soul, whatever it is. But do that continuously every day with five minutes, you will make tremendous changes. And if you do just 1% of your time, which happens to be 15 minutes, uh, to 1% of your time, do you think you could invest that in yourself, in your growth? Oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. 1% of your day? Really? You really can't find that? Hmm. So we all have that opportunity. We do. We do. When you consider how, I don't even know what the average time people watch TV, but I think it's still three or four hours a day. So yes, you can find 1%. You can find 1%. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, what you're saying reminds me so much of that quote, um, like the results you desire are in the work you're avoiding. And (laughs) yeah. And so (laughs) here's, I don't know who said it. So I don't know, but it's like the results you're desiring are in the work. They're found in the work you don't want to do. And so one of the things that is really speaking so loud to me is, is that when you have dove in to do work on yourself and learn more about yourself, that has just continued to help you to like grow your toolbox, grow your, you know, your perception, your reactions, how you handle things. But people are so uncomfortable to pause, create white space and look at themselves because what do you mean it is me that I am responsible for this? What do you mean that it's me? How is that possible? Like that is just not possible. You don't know what they like this person, this person and this person are doing in my life. And I'm like, regardless, uh... point where it doesn't matter what the rest of them are doing. It's how you choose to react. And so that's what I'm hearing from what you're saying. And I would love to just dive into that a little bit, because I think that learn when you dive in and do this work on yourself, you learn more of your blind spots. You get to see them faster. You recognize them. It's not that you don't have them, right? I actually don't, I really don't believe that when people say, well, I don't have any of those issues anymore. I don't have any of those limiting beliefs anymore. And I'm like, really? Like, really? Like, I think you're lying because I think that you have them, but you get better at how you handle them. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, You stated it already. (laughs) What can I say? What she said. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so think of your own blind spots and what is something that you now, like you catch yourself that fast. I think the blind spots are that I know a lot in my head, but I'm still not actually, actually physically activating it. There will always be choices, and I'm I'm still um, often torn in the in which choices to to take. Um, for example, it is if I uh, have worked uh, 
10 hours, 12 hours, and I come home, okay, there's the need to eat something. Then there is the need to exercise. There's the need, actually, I need to do the, the finances, the invoices. Actually, I need to do that. And and there, there are probably 20 different choices. Uh, it's easier for me to lie down. Like last night, I, I came home, um, I ate something, and then I kicked ass. I dealt with, with invoices. I dealt with a lot of things that I needed dealing with. And that made me feel good, but I didn't exercise. Yeah. So it's that kind of a thing to actually to still put yourself first. I didn't put myself first because my body certainly could have done with the exercise. Um, I actually added up a bit of deep stretching then towards the end of the day. But yeah, come on, I could have done with some some strength work or some, some cardiovascular work, um, which I didn't put in. So I still put other things first than myself. Mm -hmm. I think that is still the biggest, the biggest problem with me. Um, I'm still a doctor. I'm still the, the, the knight in shining armor who tries to do everything for everyone else before he thinks about himself. And I think that is my biggest weak spot. I think that is the PTSD that is still lurking out there. Um, that is still me saying there is no one else there for anyone else. So therefore I have to be there for others. And therefore I'm getting validation. I'm getting um, this external credit, uh, the, 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 the beautiful feeling of someone showing gratitude towards what I have done. Um, and there are many good things there. I mean, sometimes I hang around at work and, and just have a chat with a nurse who maybe is a bit down or have have a chat with a support colleagues, etc. And it's all part and parcel. But now I'm not home at 5.30 or I'm home at 6, 6.30, 7. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm taking time away from me, um, from my own personal kind of development, shall I say. So it's, it's one of these things where you just have to say, ah, get it right, man. But it's very hard because you want to live your life too. You want to actually be there and you want to be there for others. You want to show up and show integrity. You want to model the kind of life you want others to live. So, um, yeah, it is. I don't get it right. The balance is often still there where I have to say, oh, God, no, it is, it is hard. It is difficult. Um, so, I, you know, I'm learning. I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still rebalancing. I'm, I'm trying to, to get it right. And often enough, I don't. But I'm aware of it. And uh, the, the evil twins of shame and guilt, they do no longer come in. So, I mean, in the past, I would have said, my God, here's your to-do list, 200 items. Superman on speed could have not done 20 of them. Um, yet I expect 200. And now I've only done 10. What a failure. I'm a failure. Give me the whip, 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 whip. That, that was me in the past. Nowadays, I say, okay, cool. You got actually a lot of shit done. Um, but obviously, it took you longer and life intervened. And that's that's fine. So tomorrow is another day. And have you got now 1%? Is there? Do you have now 10 minutes to do something? Well, actually, yes. And ta -da! that's exactly what I do. So that's how I try to work. That's how I try to, to deal with those blind spots. I'm more aware of them. They're still happening. There's still there's still there are challenges there, but I'm aware of what is happening, and I try to to mitigate them. I try to change them. I thank you for sharing all that. And I just, I, like I said, I love the realness of it. 
I think there's, there's just so much power in it and sharing that. And I know the power of our words and what we say. And I just want you to know that don't, don't set yourself up to say, I'm not getting it right because I think that you are getting it right. And it's like, it's not right or wrong. It's not good or bad. It's and Mm. it's, and you're juggling a lot of different, like a lot of different pieces and it's, and, and sometimes I literally, I do inventory, self-inventory almost every day. I mean, and every day does not go according to my plan, not even close. And the self-inventory is like, how did I handle today? What could I have done differently? Well, maybe I could have put a little bit more time with myself. But coming from the lens of grace and compassion as opposed to right or wrong, because I don't, I'm just saying that out of love. I'm just being. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so hard. It's so hard. So stop beating yourself up. Um, And if something goes wrong, like, like, let's say you drop an egg on the ground or you spill milk, then you could get really, really angry about yourself or you, you, you stupid thing. Or you could just say, well, actually, you donkey, and laugh about it. And actually, maybe stop for a moment. Actually, just look at the mess and actually say, okay, hang on. Maybe the universe just told me, just stop it for a moment. (laughs) Just pause, stop, and actually just take a moment. (laughs) I am so bad for that. I am the person who will carry 10 things, do 10 things. And then like, I will drop something and something will shatter. My husband will come in and he's like, do you, do you need to do all of that at once? Like, is there anything else that I can help with? And cause he knows, right. If he comes in blaring on a whole, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> he's just like, do, do you need to do all those things at once? Or like, <laughs> I'm like, I know, I know. And not attaching a label to it. Right. Like I look at it. it, it so I've created this, this mantra. It's like, I'm having an off day, not I'm bad. I'm not doing a good job. I'm having an off day. And I'm allowed off days. They're allowed, right? So it's this, because I know the power of my words. It's a very slippery slope for me. I can literally like point that finger and be in that shame cycle so fast. It's ridiculous. So I I do want to ask you this question. Um, and I want to know, what is it like for a doctor who has dealt with this? Like, what does, how does that change the dynamic of addiction. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I just don't think I've ever had the opportunity to interview a doctor who has dealt with and openly shared their story Mm. of dealing with addiction. Mm. And I also want to just clarify one thing before I ask that is like, I've had 13 surgeries in 20 years. Do you know who my favorite people are every single time? <laughs> You're a drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I am the drug dealer. <laughs> my anesthesiologist, hands down, every time has been the best person. And I can tell they are, they've never been the same people, but they are a unique breed. I do think that they are. It's like they're the person, yes, they physiologically take the edge off, but they lighten the load in the room. That's what I have found. And so when I found out you were, we had a conversation, I found out you were an anesthesiologist. I'm like, yeah, I get that. I I totally get that. I can see that. So I'm just curious. I want to ask that question and just Mm -hmm. to give people context, does that change things? How, what does that look like? I assume that your question points towards me being open about my history of mental health problems. Yeah. Well, the answer is very simple. Um, Initially, uh, it was scary as hell. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, but that is equally the same thing when you'd first say uh, in, in an AA meeting, hi, I'm Stefan, I'm an alcoholic. Um, this is very, very scary. Um, after a while, it can become an identity. But uh, the problem is, it's not an identity for me. I, I, I move away from that. Yes, I'm an alcoholic. I certainly have used alcohol far too much in the past. And yes, I probably have got a far more powerful dopamine response, or certainly had in the past, to addict, uh, to to things like alcohol. So yes, and uh, addiction is definitely a disease. All that is true. Um, but I think the reality is um, we need to accept that one in four people at least have got a chemical addiction, probably one in three. One in three people uh, will have depression, uh, a major depressive episode in their lifetime. Um, one in 10 people have got personality disorders. One in 100 are psychopaths, sociopaths. Um, the chance of you as a woman getting sexually abused or raped is about one in four, one in three. Um, different figures, ballpark is there. As a man, one in seven, one in nine. Okay, so let's not be silly here. Uh, as a non-binary person, much higher. Um, so it is, uh, there is, shit happens to everyone, everywhere. And we all behind closed doors do stupid things. Our We all are bloody chimpanzees that are the first time put in front of a keyboard and we go, Oh, ooh, 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 ooh. what was that ooh, alcohol nice i want more i want more that is how we are and bottom line is the moment we are actually opening up about that um we can become honest so in in other words i often um open up to a patient without opening up it's like a secret handshake okay so if, if you you know someone comes in and you can read a mile away you're full of depression or you come on come on when was the last drink you've had i can read you a mile away and by actually opening up and saying well i've been in your shoes um establishes immediately a report and establishes immediately a a hey uh okay a different way of communicating and i've never actually really experienced a negative outcome of that if at all, um, there was a much stronger bond uh, or rapport between the patient and me uh, when I opened up and therefore was able by saying, hey, look, I went for that shit and by the way, and then do a focused intervention mm -hmm. and say, okay, hey, you know, have you considered that? Shall we do some extra blood tests to see how your liver really is? Uh, those kind of things. Once you actually uh, not label them and shame them, but actually say, yeah, I've been in your shoes. And maybe shall we have a look at at a way of getting out of it? A uh, completely different story. And that's how you change lives. You find commonalities. You find um you find um you find a common ground with which you can work. And that is in business, that is in 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 mediation, in whatever you, you think about, bringing enemies to to the same table and sharing some food and you know and and suddenly you find common ground and can move forward that's the same here when it comes to addiction by us actually being more open um then we can we can be better doctors better healthcare providers um we i think we can all grow with trauma 
And I feel sad for you if you don't use the chance and grow because there's so much that we can do. So life is beautiful and it does often not look like it, but it comes with an, a tremendous amount of opportunities to grow. And you just need to grab the bull by its horns and need to learn tactics, need to learn strategies, skills, need to develop yourself. And you need to, 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 to actually on a daily basis work on yourself to create more resilience in your body, in your mind, in your spirit that then allows you to withstand to stand the storm in a better way. And often enough, just with climate change, storms will get worse. Um, storms in my life, I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, every bloody day, there's another brush fire or sometimes actually quite serious storm. And you think, oh, come on, come on, honestly, gods, is that, do you, don't you have anything better to do? Um, but they throw me some more shit sandwiches and, and uh, recommend me to eat it. And that's fine. Uh, but I'm I'm just getting stronger. I'm getting stronger, and and I'm I'm getting more adaptive. More, um, I can change the way I look at things far more effectively. And I think that is that has become my strength. So, guys, when you listen to that, I I so strongly recommend you to to keep searching, keep listening to Marsha's show, um, keep keep listening to people who are just a little bit further down the the line down the path than you are um people like Marsha and me we we have been where you were and or where you are now but we found ways that worked for us at the time and i say that because you know if you had come to me 10 years ago and say let's do some some energy healing i'd have looked at you and tell you Back her off, you bloody, you know. Uh, I needed, yeah. I needed then a different type of healing. Nowadays, I branch out into other things and dip my toes into different ponds and say, "Huh, actually, that feels good." Oh, look at what that does. Um, you know, I've become a breath coach, um, and and are far more powerful than to use how I use my breath. Um, I. Am stiff as a brick. <laughs> the the twenty year old Rambo is long gone. Um, but I'm now becoming a flexibility coach because I say, you know, stuff that I will work on me, and I set myself realistic goals, and that is how I I advise you. So keep listening to Marsha's show because she has got amazing people turning up. And well, if you if you if you have extra time, then why don't you have a look at Neff Inspiration? Uh, uh, or previously my steps to sobriety um where i've had now what 405 or so uh shows and it's beautiful these are all people from whom you can learn and these are all role models and you know it is uh these are all opportunities for you to grow so i'm wishing you guys all all the strength out there all the passion to and the joy to come back into your life but you have to take action and and I congratulate you because you've taken action already. You listened to this interview till now. Wow, you've taken action. So just keep doing that. One percent a day, okay? Five minutes at least, or maybe fifteen minutes to look after yourself. But every day you're going to be a new person. You're amazing. Seriously, thank you so much for like you're just there's so much 
value and content in there that you shared. And I just want to touch on that. I love this piece on it's not your identity. We need to stop making mm-hmm. our, um, again, addictions, our mental health issues, an identity. It's a, it's a part of us, but it's an identity. When you make it the identity, it actually is a lot harder to change it. So I love that you shared it from that lens. I think that's really powerful. And we're both here very much in the space of sharing stories of people who are changing their stories, like overcoming things that they never thought possible out there, making a difference in the world. Like there's no shortage There's no shortage of stories and it blows me away with the amount of people that reach out that want to be on the show that want to share and their stories blow me away. So you're exactly right. Like tune in and listen because those stories will continue to inspire you. So tell people where they can connect with you, learn more about you. We'll make sure everything's in the show notes, but I just love it if you'd share. Uh, Nef Inspiration is at uh, nefinspiration.com is my website, which will uh, give you an insight uh, into me, into my show, into the books that I've written. Um, so some of the examples are here behind me. Um, this one, this, this. <laughs> This this one um, yeah. is being rewritten uh, and and will just before Christmas now be released in its third edition. Um, so there's I constantly create more content there. But nefinspiration.com is a good start. Otherwise, uh, look at Nef Inspiration as uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn as Stefan Nef Offer. Um, all of the links are down there into description. Yeah, please hit the like and subscribe button of Marshall's show. And make sure that you tell your friends, because there's so much value there. There's so much hope there. I think that is really the most beautiful thing on this show. Yeah, thank you. You're the best. Seriously, you're the best. (laughs) I could talk to you forever. I have one more question for you. What lesson in life are you most grateful for? Actually, that even the darkest hour only has 60 minutes. I think that is something that we need to to really tattoo on our heart because if you're in gaza and and the rockets are coming down or if you are in the ukraine or if you are hammered with disease and you don't know um if if you know you've lost your job um these are often the times when you truly grow and we don't see it at the time uh we only see it afterwards so please don't don't give up it is honestly never give up never ever ever and the past does not equal the future that's so beautiful seriously thank you for everything you shared today it was my absolute pleasure and honor to have you on the show and mm-hmm. to connect with you again from the other side of the world <laughs> <laughs> look after yourself Marsha. bye thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of own your choices own your life If you love this episode, I invite you to tag me on social media with your takeaways or share it with a friend. Please, if you feel called, take 30 seconds to leave a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. Until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.